Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Jedi and Germs, a weekly podcast brought to you by TornBySports.com. I'm John English, the Germs Guy, and he's Devin Masters, the producer. Hi, Devin. Hey, John. How's it going? Pretty good. Good? Good. I had a win last night, so that always increases the mood. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's been a rough go. I think the last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about that five-game road trip. Um, when it came down to it, I said they needed to win two. I predicted they'd win two. You said they'd win three. Sadly, they only got one on out of the, the five. And then they've had a, a loss and a win when it comes to home. And the Jazz just haven't looked good. No, uh, I think we, we thought two and three was the most reasonable. Three and two was doable. Going one and four really hurt, especially the way they went one and four. Those were some bad losses. And you know, they've looked they've looked in disarray. They the game last night felt like a, a palate cleanser that they really needed. Now now I didn't get to see it. I saw the final score. Um it looks like they had a good night, but sometimes those numbers can be deceiving. did the the offense seem to finally start clicking? Were they you know, cohesive on defense. What what was the key to that win over Memphis? Well, with Memphis, they um, Memphis came out and they won the first quarter, and then the Jazz just clamped down. I think they won the second quarter by twenty, and the game was never really in question after that. Occasionally, Memphis would get within like nine points, but it, the Jazz had them pretty handily up until the last four minutes. And then they let their they emptied their bench and then let Memphis get back into it a little bit in garbage time. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw the score. I think they gave up 36 in the the first quarter, which started to give flashbacks to uh, that game against Toronto, which they were just atrocious in the first half. But once I, I checked it a little bit later, they were up and had a, a double-digit lead. And from there, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. Now, Memphis was missing John Morant, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. It's it's still the Grizzlies without their best player now. So, what what do you what do you read into that? Is this a turning point for the Jazz, or is this a game that we can't put too much stock in? I would say we can't put too much stock in because you consider over the last handful of games, uh, the Jazz have beat Memphis twice. And they lost the other five games. So that's, that's painful when you put it like that. Yeah. So let's, let's try to get some more quality wins. Now they have thunder at home Monday night. They should be able to win that. Let's get a nice two game winning at Minnesota. Uh, That'll be, that'll be a real test. Jazz have struggled with Minnesota at times. So, 
you know, we'll have to see. I think, is this the final? I thought we had played them twice and split it um, with the away team winning both. Because uh, they beat us at home, and then I think okay. we went there and beat them. It was yeah, almost I like a... I remember if there was another one, but yeah. So this okay. will be the third game against Minnesota. And we know we can beat them in Minnesota, so that'll be a test. Um, you know, Jazz looked okay without Conley with with Joe Ingles running the offense and Royce O'Neal staying in the starting lineup with him. Uh, that seemed to work. Um, but you know, upcoming, upcoming is kind of up and down. They are, they are all winnable games. And if that road trip hadn't just happened, I'd be confident that they could just go right through this competition and go three and zero. but the way they've been playing, I don't know. I, I question the Minnesota game. I think they will win the home games against the thunder and the warriors. Um, but, but that away game in Minnesota is a test. It's hard to win on the road against the same opponent twice. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same way, you know, if, if they can go two and one, I I'm honestly happy with that. You know, you're going to have games that you drop. You're going to have struggles and Minnesota's not a terrible team. You know, they, they have some talent and they have always given the jazz fits, not just this season, but historically Minnesota has been one of those teams that I, I hate to play. Yeah, they there are those teams where record-wise you're better than them and yet they still seem to give you problems. So, 2 and 1 is that kind of the consensus cuz that's where I'm at. That's what I'm expecting. I I would expect 2 and 1. If they go 3 and 0, oh, that tells me they finally figured some things out. Okay. So, what else do we have in in terms of jazz news? Uh you know, we, we've covered what's coming up. We've cover, covered the uh, the previous stretch. Any any player player news or anything well, happening on that front? Mike Conley's day to day with his hamstring. Um, he's missed two games, and who knows if he'll be back tomorrow or not. So he's day to day there. I think with their schedule, they can kind of afford to let him take the, all the time he needs. Um, but I would say one thing I wanted to talk about is, is we've had some point guards be in and out of the lineup and I am surprised. Well, preseason me would be surprised that at this point in the season, Dante Exum is not part of the rotation, even though he's healthy enough to be, um, you have Conley missing games and still he can't get off the bench until it's a blowout and there's three minutes to go. I'm starting to think that the, the long gestating, Dante Exum project that I've been a big supporter of the whole time. I think it's finally over. I think I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to recover. And now his contract looks like it's much, and maybe some other team thinks they can unlock his potential, but it's been a while now. And yes, the majority of it is injuries, but he's not injured now. And yet he still can't get on the floor. Now, how much is that his play and how much of that is just Quinn's decision? Because when he's gotten into the games, he's given the Jazz some very good minutes, um, but they seem to come in five-minute bursts. And like you're saying, a lot of times he can come in, he can have a great few minutes in the first half, and then you don't see him in the second half until it's garbage time, if even then. 
Well, see, you can't say that he's playing great and Quinn's just holding him back. I mean, Quinn's going to let any guy play as long as he feels like that guy is going to give him positive contributions. And Dante just does not have Quinn's trust right now. And so you've got all these other guys on the roster who are going to get more time than Dante. In fact, let's see, let me look up minutes averages. Um, Dante is 12th when it comes to minutes per game on the team. The only ones below him are Brantley, Stanton Kidd, Maya Oni, Nigel Williams-Goss, and Juwan Morgan. So everybody above him is part of the rotation or part of the rotation if there's one injury. Okay. And then there's Dante and then there's all the garbage guys. Yeah. I, I just, I don't get it, you know, and I know Dante, it, it was one of those things where maybe he was on a minutes restriction that just wasn't being talked about or something like that. But I'm, I'm telling you, there have been games where he's looked like he could contribute or at worst where no one else is doing anything. Like we talked about that road trip was brutal. And there was a game or two that I watched where he seemed to come in and provide a little bit of a spark, but it, it just feels like Quinn shuts it down. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happened for him not to have Quinn's trust, if it's a being cautious with the injury, but I'm to that point where I want to see Dante succeed. And honestly, if they have to trade him for him to get that chance, then I want him to have that. You know, he he's taking the time to be healthy. He's been a complete professional in how he's gone about his business. The The kid deserves a chance, and I, I just feel like he's not going to get it in Utah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I th- I feel like at this point, it's, it's the same. <clears throat> I mean, he came back for, uh, I'm actually looking at his logs here. He came back for the Minnesota game. He was able to play 14 minutes. Uh, he was one of four shooting. He was plus one and the jazz lost by 10. The next game, he only played seven minutes, but he was a minus 16. And yet the jazz won that game. Okay. And everything after that, you're only going to see him get five or six minutes. Um, until you got to the Toronto game where, um, he got a lot of time, but you know, that was a blowout loss. Right. Right. I don't know. It, it's tough to get in a rhythm when you're getting under 10 minutes a game. You know, at, at that yeah. point, I don't know how much you read into someone's plus minus because I'm not an analytics guy. But just from my perspective, what I would think is if you're not getting the time, basically you can't come in and try and get something going. You're just in there filling minutes, especially if they're they're not all together. He didn't come in and play seven minutes altogether. I'm guessing he probably played two or three minutes and then played four minutes at the end. You you can't do anything with that. You know, basically you come in, you just try to make the right passes and play defense. And, you know, depending on who's in and what's going on, that, that can't all be on him. At least that's my take on it. So I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a sad situation because there's a lot of Exum Islanders who, still want to believe in him and still want to see him get a chance in Utah. But I don't know. Has, has Moutier earned being above him? Cause Moutier has been hot and cold as well, right? Yeah, he has. Um, and it's hard to say if 
Exum would be better or worse with Moutier's minutes, but um, you'd have to say at this point that Moutier has Moutier's ahead of him in the rotation for some reason, and Moutier has had some good games. I've I've been on the I've been on Twitter when people are like, "We're Conley's having a bad game," and they're just like, "Ugh, oh, just put Moutier back in." You know, there's been this this uh, quick love hate with him, um, but you'd, you'd have to say that. Uh, Moutier's ball handling is better than Exum's and that's probably the main factor why he's getting more looks and more time. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that, but let, let's keep one thing in mind when it comes to jazz Twitter and point guards there, <laughs> there's something there. I don't think that jazz Twitter has ever been happy with a point guard as long as it's been on there. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe the tail end of the Darren days, if if Twitter was going, then I wasn't on there at that time. But since then, it, it's been an ugly mess, at least at that position. So, well, part of it I think is Exum was injured, so Moutier was going to immediately get the backup minutes, and you know, his first game, twelve points off the bench. His second game, twelve points. His third game, ten points, and he's a positive in all of those contributions. In fact, Moutier's was a positive plus minus in his first eight games. Yeah, he he started the season great. The Jazz as a whole started the season pretty well. But, yeah. but then there's some adversity and you're seeing guys struggle. You know, you're seeing Moutier struggle sometimes. You're seeing uh Jeff Green come in and struggle some games and you're you're hearing about it when you read the tweets but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I'm curious if Dante sticks around, you know, if there's an option to buy him out if that's the route they go. But I I don't know. It's it's depressing to see him sit on the bench healthy. As someone who still believes in him and and wants to see him at least get a shot to play some substantial minutes it it really sucks to see him sit there healthy and not get a run when the jazz are down 20 points on the road or when the jazz are up big and there's six minutes left put the guy in he's not going to let the game get away from you yeah so all right anything else uh jazz related or should we jump over to nba news well, one last thing I wanted to point out. The first 11 games, Jazz went 8-3. and three. The last 12 games, they've gone 5-7. and seven. So hopefully uh, this new easy schedule is Chapter 3 and they can make it more like the first. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where we are in comparison to the past couple seasons, but I got to feel like we're pretty close to where we have been, even with that brutal stretch right there. So... You get some easy games. Hopefully they put together a decent run and can end this year on a a good note uh, going into 2020. Yeah, last year at this point, the Jazz were uh, 11 and 12. Yeah, so we're, we're a bit ahead, but not by much. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh let's talk some NBA news. What you got? We've had our first head coach get fired, and it is no surprise that it was David Fisdale of the Knicks. Uh the GM when the GM came out and made that press conference a couple weeks ago, 
they're basically saying that they were reevaluating everything. I've, I've never seen a press conference more of a, this is a preamble for us to be firing our coach, but we're not doing it right now. And so a couple of weeks later, they go ahead and do it. Yeah, I, I think the writing was on the wall, but honestly, Fizdale's still going to get paid and he doesn't have to watch Knicks games anymore. So I think he's probably pretty happy. Don't you think? It's a win-win. It's just, I don't know. What do you do with the Knicks? Does, does anyone want that job? I mean, if, if you're a serious, uh, if you're serious about having a head coaching career, not just getting a paycheck for a few years and then being done, but you want to have a long career, why would you go to New York? Is there any reason to? Uh, money? But besides the money. Big city? Yeah, money. Like I said, that, city, that's not going to set up your name. career. I mean, no, it's not. Because you're, you're going to start out you're going to lose a bunch of games, and then you're out. I mean, the only person I can see taking a job like that is someone who's a seasoned coach, thinks they can do something with it, and they're trying to restart their career and feel like they'll be given some extra time. Someone like maybe Mark Jackson. Hey, I love that idea. And then Mark Jackson can completely show that he was not a good coach. you know. But I, I don't know. It, it just seems like a bad starting point. You know, the name I saw that was floated out there, um, one of the social media sites was floating Becky Hammond's name and saying that she would be interested if she could get a long-term deal. Again, you can get a long-term deal, but I don't think anyone's going to see the end of it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a number one draft pick and a couple big hits on free agency where you, you know, knock it out of the park. And I don't see that happening for the Knicks. And the thing with the Knicks is they've had good coaches. It's just that those coaches can't succeed with the Knicks. You know, Mike D'Antoni, that didn't work. He goes to Houston, his career's revitalized. Right. <coughs> uh, it, it just seems like Fisdale wasn't a, a terrible coach. I mean, he, he got the boot in Memphis, right? But same with Hornacek. Yeah. Hornacek seemed like someone who could be a decent head coach. Um, didn't Except get he had Phil Jackson telling him how to coach and he had to have Kurt Rambis as his right. assistant. <laughs> it's just right. like nothing, awful situation. nothing has been set up well for these coaches. It reminds me of when Ty Corbin was, uh, head coach in Utah and they were like, okay, we want you to win with these guys. But at the same time, they didn't really feel like putting a team that's wanted to compete or contend. So it's like, if you win games, you keep your job. If you lose games, you lose your job, but we get a higher draft pick and we kind of want you to do that. And it just seemed like a mess. Yeah. And, and that's what the Knicks have been in for the last forever. I feel like I'm the Stephen A. Smith of the Knicks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like instead of going in on yeah. the Dallas Cowboys, I just want to go in on the Knicks. So, well, <laughs> You look at, I mean, the biggest mistake the Knicks made recently probably is trading KP for nothing so they could have all this cap space to lure free agents. And then they realized quite quickly that they don't have the infrastructure to attract free agents. And teams like Brooklyn did. And 
so now the Knicks have to do some soul searching and going, we don't have the infrastructure to attract free agents. Other things need to change. Now, the most obvious change that needs to happen is James Dolan needs to sell the team, but he's not going to do that. <laughs> so but w- they're always going to have this limit as long as he's the owner. But what, what do you do? How do you get around that? Because you have to find a way around that. Like, I, I understand that's a concern. That's what really should happen. But it's not going to. And you have to do something. Otherwise, you're just going to keep signing five mediocre power forwards in free agency and calling it a team. That, that, that doesn't work in the NBA. There's college teams that I think could beat them. Yeah. So I think the Knicks have to do what Phoenix did basically is just not as long as Phoenix did, but Phoenix had to suck for a while. Uh, not all of their draft picks worked out, but they had a couple draft picks that are working out. And then they finally got to the point where they solid signed some solid veteran support. And then they got a coach, an experienced coach with a good track record with a good uh, culture in Monty Williams. And now it's finally clicked for them and the Knicks, you know, they, they have to build a culture there. So they haven't had it. The culture under Phil Jackson was bad. The culture right now is bad, but you know, the GM, they, they blame Fisdale. So whenever they do pick their first coach, that is, they're going to be their culture stamp. And, you know, right now, um, Mike Miller is interim head coach right now. I don't think they're going to stick with him, but if they want to, if they want a solid culture, then they'll, they're going to have to try to find a Monty Williams type out there to actually get things built around, um, turned around. Like, uh, you look at Quinn Snyder and the culture that he was able to come in and bring Quinn was able to bring in analytics and detail and really make guys believe that if you follow all of these steps, you will see success. And they saw that right away. And, you know, I, I never really quite, un- well, this is how Jerry did it. So I'm going to keep doing that Yeah, and yeah. rely on my vets. Even if my younger guys have more talent and could give me more success. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm I'm looking at their their roster right now, and I'm trying to figure out who are their who's their core. You know who who is who needs to stick and and you build around when it comes to the Knicks. And and R.J. Barrett is obviously going to be there. Is Frank someone that you keep around? Um. It, is he their point guard? Because yeah. I, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. is their point guard of the future. No, no, they've killed Dennis Smith Jr. over there. Uh, their their point guard is Frank. I think you have RJ, you have Frank. Um, Marcus Morris has been one of their main contributors. Uh, Kevin Knox, uh, he's he's kind of struggled. I mean, he there there seems to be a lot of core talent there, and yet he usually winds up being really inefficient, but I think he held on to him. I think, I think if you just take the youth of RJ Barrett, you know, keep, keep working with Frank, Frank's still only 21, Mitchell Robinson, uh, Kevin Knox. Those are, those are all your young guys. And then the veterans who have been contributing the most Marcus Morris, Julius Randall, maybe that's, that's your team. 
that's that's a core. And then you find the right veteran pieces to put around that. Um, I think Dennis Smith, I think they try to find a way to trade him later. And then there are guys like Bobby Portis that are not long-term solutions. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think of how the pieces would fit together in the next season or two. You know, I'm thinking like if they get the number one pick, do they go for Lamelo? Because you know he looks good. He he looks like a number one pick. Um, you know that that gives you a point guard. That gives you a small forward. Um, you've got a power forward and Julius Randle. Can you go out and can you get a center? Do you pay a little bit more than you should? Kind of like you said with Phoenix. Phoenix paid Rubio a little more than they probably should have, but I think it's paying off for them this season. They needed that. Yeah. And I, I think that's what you're going to have to do. If you're the Knicks is you're going to have to trust your young picks who are on bargain deals and you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get some guys and start to build a culture. And hopefully if you win some games and show a little bit of promise, then that big market will start to pay dividends for you again. But right now, it, it doesn't matter. I don't want to go to New York and lose 60 games a year. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's what they need. I mean, Frank's kind of like holding the fort, but he's not on anybody's list of top 10 point guards in the NBA. If, if they're able to get a point guard prospect in next year's draft and have him and RJ as your backcourt of the future, I feel like that's when the Knicks will be able to finally launch into something significant. Or if there's like a big time point guard free agent on the market next summer, they can grab. I, I'm not sure if there is, but you know, they need something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. They, they got cap space. It's not going to do anything just sitting there. So you might as well try and use it. Right. Yep. Front load a deal or two, figure it out. So any other NBA news? <laughs> I think that's good. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. I had a couple things I wanted to touch on on the NBA. Uh, one of the things I, I wanted to mention, I want to go back to the Lakers game. Um, there's a, there was the travel, which was wonderful. Everyone loved that. But the bigger yep. story, I think, was LeBron sans shoes on the court, which has led to the Braun versus Bowler beef. That's what I'm calling it. It's going to be a big deal for years to come. What did you make of that? <laughs> Are, are you team LeBron here at the game's a blowout? He's given his shoes to a kid or are you with, uh, with bowler Jack on this one where, Hey, the game's still going. The ball's on that side of the court, respect the players who are in the game and sit on the bench or at least stay where you're supposed to. Uh, I got to go with bowler on this one. Game's not over. You're not supposed to be on the court. And when you do that, you're basically saying the rules don't apply to you. And then when LeBron tried to turn it around and shame Bowler, he's like, look how great I am. Look at all this wonderful charity stuff I do. Live, laugh, love. It's like, that wasn't the issue. <laughs> the issue is right. you're walking around on the court during regulation. 
Yeah, and and that was the thing is it was like, yeah, it's cool that you gave your shoes away. And Bowler did point that out. He's he's without shoes. But the bigger deal is get off the court. I mean, he is nearly to the paint when the ball is getting rebounded. So I yeah. I don't know. It just it seems silly that LeBron would take it so personally. And I'm a big LeBron fan. Everyone who listens to the show knows that. But I, I don't know. Just had to bring it up. Thought we'd mention it. Um, another thing, Carmelo Anthony wins Western Conference Player of the Week. Did you see this coming? Did anyone see this coming? I did not see this coming, especially when I looked up his stats for the week and started looking up other Western player conference stats for the week. Uh, This feels like a participation trophy. Yes, he's doing really well on the Blazers, but he was not the player of the week. This this reminds me of all the adoration Ben Simmons gets when he made a three-pointer. Okay. Yay, he made a three-pointer. Yay, Melo's scoring 20 points a game. Um, so this is the media that, narrative, right? That this is what they want to push. Yeah, this is what they want to push. I mean, in the three games he played, Dame outscored him twice, and Anthony Davis had a much better week than Melo had. But I think they just wanted the headline. I think they wanted. I think they wanted to just give this to Carmelo and make it a story. Okay, he also gets his uh, contract guaranteed for the rest of the season. What can we expect? Um, is this a good move for the Blazers? Bad move? Uh, it's good for Mello. I mean, he's in the league again. I think it's good for the Blazers. I mean, it has worked out really well. He's been giving them exactly what they need from him. And the team has, uh, they, well, I was looking the other day, but their record has been better since he started playing for them. Not like, you know, seven and one or anything, but, but it's been better. It's, he has been providing something that they needed. So I think it's a good move. Okay. Um, I saw on Bleacher Report, <coughs> Luka Doncic has his 18th straight 25-5 and five game, tying him with Michael Jordan for the longest streak. Now, that stat surprised me when we've seen so many guys. Uh, I'm talking Harden. I'm talking Westbrook. Average a triple-double on the season. But th- this is this is a big deal, is it not, for Luca to be putting up those kind of numbers and setting a record or at least tying a record this young? It is a big deal, but, you know, Luca a year before the draft, I thought he would be the number one picked and he was going to be the next big star. And it blew my mind when Phoenix just seemed determined to take Aiton instead. I was also really blown away by Atlanta deciding they wanted to trade young more. Yeah. Yeah. The Atlanta and thing so, was weird. So Dallas, I mean, they had the fifth pick. And so with the fifth pick and then another first Mark Cuban was able to get Luka Doncic, who we knew was going to be a generational star. So, you know, it's worked out great for the Mavericks. Um, Atlanta's Trey young. He's, he's a pretty good player. I mean, the team's terrible right now, but Trey young does show that he has all the talent and promise in the world. And Aiton, well, you know, Phoenix has finally turned around. They just needed, they needed a lot more roster moves and a better coach. Okay. Um, another piece of news that I saw: the Cavs are finally willing to listen to offers for Kevin Love. Is it too late for teams to really want Kevin Love? I mean, he's not the player he once was. 
What what can we expect to go down with this? Are they going to get much for him at this time? Uh, with the amount of money he has left on his deal and his age, I don't think they'll get much in return other than, you know, maybe a pick, may, probably a, maybe like a, a protected first and some seconds and a piece here or two. But the main reason to get rid of Kevin Love is that you're one of the worst teams in the NBA and you're paying him a lot of money. So you might as well trade him, see if you can get some assets for it, and then continue to be the worst and hope for those high draft picks to come in next year. Yeah, there's there's a lot of teams hoping for high draft picks, I think. A lot of teams in the East, at least. Um, I think that's pretty much it uh, basketball-wise. I'm not sure if you saw this. There was a a UFC fight last night. Uh, Alistar Overeem got knocked out in the final seconds of the fight. And if you haven't seen his face, you really should because it is it is something, but it is it is definitely graphic. His lip does not go the direction that that it should. I saw this this morning while I was eating breakfast. Um, it, it didn't ruin my meal, but it, it was a ouch moment. So right. definitely check that out. Um, I thought it'd be nice to maybe touch on NFL. I don't think we've done that lately. Don't want to go through the schedule or anything, but I wanted to look at the playoff projection and what it looks like now. Um, we're currently 12 games in, week 13 happening. And when you look at the standings, the AFC, you have the Patriots at 10-2. and two. And the Bills in second place of the AFC East with nine and three. So you actually have a decent race going there. The Bills are on a three-game winning streak. So putting it together. You have the Chiefs leading the AFC West at eight and four. I doubt that the Raiders catch them as they've lost their last two. The AFC North, the Ravens have won eight in a row. They are now 10 and two. And definitely Super Bowl contenders. Closest behind them is the Steelers at seven and five. Looks like they may be a wild card team. AFC South, Texans are eight and four. Titans are seven and five. So the Titans are making a move. You could see the other wild card team come out of the AFC South, it looks like. Um, Colts are in the mix there at six and six, but we'll see what happens. Um, when you look at the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, with a 6-7 and seven record and a three-game losing streak, are in first place of the NFC East. So you don't yeah. have to win games to win that division. <laughs> that is pathetic. Um, you look at the NFC West, you have two teams, Seattle and San Francisco. John and Allen's teams at 10-2. and two. Seattle has won five in a row, 49ers. Lost one game, but still looking pretty solid. Um, the NFC North, you have the Packers at nine and three, the Vikings at eight and four, um, the Bears at seven and six. But I don't know what will happen. Bears have won three in a row, so we'll see. And then you go to the NFC South. The Saints have clinched the division at ten and two. No one is catching them, and it does not look like any of those teams will be making their way to the wild card any big surprises or takeaways from that john um let's see my biggest surprise probably is how bad that division is for the cowboys to be six and seven and being on top 
Um, I, I would have thought the Eagles would have been better. Um, honestly, I thought the Cowboys were going to be better. They just, they just lost some games. It feels like they shouldn't have. And you can kind of tell why fire Jason Garrett trends every week. Yeah. You, you look at the um, streaks. Cowboys <laughs> have lost three. Eagles have lost three. Redskins have won two. They're now three and nine. And the Giants have lost eight in a row. It's just a sad division. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're the division that time forgot. Um, so it's like, okay, who one of them is gonna have the honor of winning the division and getting blown out in the first round of the playoffs? And then we can pay attention to the good teams. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. There's a lot of good teams, there's a lot of good storylines this season. I mean, the Ravens are someone to watch. Um, the Chiefs, seeing if they can get it together because they were so good last season. Uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans making some noise. And then uh, that NFC West, the Seahawks and the 49ers, is is probably my favorite story to watch to see who's actually going to come out on top for that. Um, yeah. And the Saints have looked fantastic. You know, the, the Saints have just put it together. So it's, it's going to be fun. There's some good races uh, coming down in the final weeks. So. And then, of course, it's fantasy football time, you know, playoffs. So how, how will these races impact your fantasy team? We'll find out. Um, let's finish with talking about uh, college football, shall we? Yes. Uh, we'll talk Weber State first because I, I feel like we'll want to end on another note. Weber State had a comeback win against Kennesaw State. Um, they will advance to the quarterfinals. Of the playoffs, they will face the Montana Grizzlies or Grizz. I don't know if it's Grizzlies or Grizz, but they'll face them next week on ESPN2, 8 p.m. here in Ogden. Um, They did play a couple weeks ago. Weber State got dominated. So if you are in the area, want to see some playoff football, I would encourage people to come up to Ogden or come down to Ogden if you're in Logan. And watch this Weber State team. Hopefully this will be a good game and would love to see them get the win. But they have been putting together great season after great season under Jay Hill. So I think it would be worth your while. And tickets are usually like 10 to 15 bucks. So can't beat that. In other news, let's jump over and let's talk about um, let's talk about championship weekend. Um, Oklahoma gets the win. In overtime over Baylor, it looks like Oklahoma will find their way into the playoff. Um, App State gets a win over Louisa, Louisiana Lafayette. Memphis gets a win over Cincinnati. LSU dominates Georgia. Boise State wins the Mountain West with a blowout win over Hawaii. Clemson absolutely destroys Bronco, Mendenhall, and Virginia. And Ohio State had to rally, but they come back to win with a decent margin over Wisconsin. So when I see this, we'll talk about Utah in a minute. When I see this, I can see LSU moving up because they had the higher ranked opponent and taking that number one spot, which would drop Ohio State to two. Clemson, I expect, would stay at three, even though it's a big win. Virginia was ranked 23rd. And then let's say Oklahoma. Slips into the four spot, so you end up with LSU, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Clemson. If that is the case, do you like those matchups, John? 
I think that will be the case, and I do like those matchups. I think that's the way it's going to go down. Okay, who, who do you who do you like in each of those games? Is it really already a done deal? This is going to be LSU and Ohio State for a national championship. Uh, well, thing is, I think I think Clemson and Ohio State is going to be a really good game. I think I'm not ready to say Ohio State has that one in the bag. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, Clemson Oklahoma has the LSU, experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they do have the experience. I do think LSU will get past Oklahoma. So I I look for LSU to face the winner of that one. And I can't say that LSU is automatically favored to beat the winner of, of that one either. Because it's gonna be a really competitive game. And if one of them happens to blow out the other one, then they would automatically be the favorite to beat LSU, I would think. And with this, we had a lot of talk, and there's been a lot of talk about the best teams getting in. I am still a fan of an eight-team playoff. I will stay that way because I think conference championships should matter for basically all these teams, and I would love for a G5 team to always have a shot. Um, But it looks like the best four teams got in. Like, I, I, I don't think there's any argument this year. You don't have that situation where you've got a conference champion who really should have been in, um, you know, the, the loser looking in right now is, is Oregon, right? Uh, yeah. But where, where were they ranked before the loss? 10th? Uh, Oregon was ranked, uh, 13th. 13th. So, you know, they're not going to be able to jump up that high. Right, they're not. But they're eleven and but, two. But you know that that that's the worst yeah, team yeah. looking in. I think. You look at Georgia; they lost two. You look at uh, Alabama; they lost two as well. They're neither one is a conference champion. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm okay with it this season. I think it's okay. Yeah. Fifth seed is the fifth seed. Whoever it is is going to be a two loss team. So there's a bunch of teams around there that you could argue and you could say okay memphis only lost one but they're they're down there yeah so okay i'm i'm looking forward to it i'm stoked for when the the bowl games all come out uh want to see where everyone ends up we're going to have a lot of utah teams representing um it looks like utah probably going to end up in the alamo bowl but let's go ahead and talk about that pac-12 championship game did you have a chance to watch it uh, I did watch um, a lot of it. I watched, um, well, not a lot. I watched the third quarter and I watched up until Utah was able to get that second touchdown and then do a two point conversion. Okay. Um, I, I was at a party, so I wasn't paying that much attention, but for that area of the game I was watching and I thought Utah was going to be on the road to do this comeback. And next thing I know, Oregon's scored two more touchdowns. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a tough game. The Utes kept getting to about the 40, 35-yard line, and the offense would just stall out. They'd get to a fourth down and one or two. They'd go for it, and they'd turn it over. And they, it was one of those situations where you're like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. They'll get it. They never got it. And you started to wonder, well, should they be taking the points? Should they at least be trying to kick some field goals? What would that have done to the uh, the score, the morale of the game? I, I thought it was pretty much over at halftime. Utah comes out. Like you said, they get back in it, get it down to a single score. You think they're going to do something. 
a few bad play calls, a few mistakes, and then they let one loose for 60-plus yards, I think, and the game just got out of hand from there. Um, Very disappointing for Utah fans. Even more disappointing, I'm sure, for uh, Utah, the team, the seniors especially, you know, with all these aspirations. This is a tough loss, but for me, I think that the team has to hold their head high even if they end up in the Alamo Bowl. This was a, a good season for Utah. They have a chance to win 12 games? Yeah. That, that's, that's a pretty special season. I mean, they've got back-to-back division champions uh, for the Pac-12 South. Hopefully they can keep the momentum going. Hopefully this helps with recruiting. But what is your takeaway from this uh, for Utah as a program? Well, it, I thought this year was going to be a redemption for the previous two undefeated seasons where they still couldn't get in the national game. Um, I think it just shows they're that much closer. I saw a lot of doom and gloom where if they can't get in now, it's going to set them back for years. I'm not necessarily going to buy that, but I think I think they're getting closer and they're they're going to be in the conversation. They are going to be in the top 10 conversation and now they just need to figure out what to do to get it into national championship conversations. Yeah. And this and is the more guy, the more guys they get in the NFL, the better it helps. Yeah, exactly. And, and Utah has been fantastic at that, but this is back to back years. They've been one game away from a new year's six bowl. You know, that there's no shame in that. That is Pretty impressive when you look at their schedule. They are playing difficult teams. I don't think the Pac-12 gets the consideration that they should on the national stage, but you know, you're playing Washington, you're playing Oregon, you're playing SC, um, UCLA. While they're not winning a lot of games, I still think their name means something in college football. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know. Um, very proud of, of what they've accomplished this season. Sad to see it end that way. Uh, but go out, get get a bull win, and uh, finish this thing off right. I, I think that's what all the Utah teams need to do. And and with that, that is a lot of quick hits. So uh, okay. let's let's go ahead and talk pop culture. You've got a movie that you saw to review this week, right? Yes, I caught the movie Parasite this week. It's a Korean film. I saw it up at the Broadway. Um, It's going to be on its way out. It's starting to lose theaters, but I was able to finally catch it, and it is great. It's a terrific movie. Uh, It's from the guy who directed Snowpiercer, uh, and it's one where I didn't know that much going in, and I think the story is better for it. Uh, But basically... It's about this uh, this poor family, and the it's dad, mom, son, daughter, and the son's friend is a tutor for this girl from a rich family, and he uh, he gets his friend to go tutor for this family, and he's able to work his way into the family, and you kind of see a lot of the rich family versus poor family dynamic. There's a lot of humor involved, and there's there's plot twists that just it just goes crazy directions and so 
I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to give too much away, but this, I'm, I can guarantee this is going to get nominated for best foreign film and probably would even win, but it's, it's thoroughly entertaining and I would, I would highly recommend it to everybody. Okay. Parasite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And leaving theaters. So hopefully we'll see this pop up on streaming services soon. Um, that 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 tends to be the case with these foreign films, right? I mean, Netflix pick, picks up a bunch of them, I think. So, yeah, Netflix and Amazon tend to grab them. Um, but I would I would say see it in theaters as soon as you can while it's still out. Okay. So, Parasite, go check it out. Um, for me, I I have not watched much. Um, I think the only thing that I've watched on on Netflix has been a couple comedy specials from uh, Mike Berbigli, Mike Berbigli, you know who I'm talking about, Berbiglia, and uh, Eliza Schlesinger. I think had a, a new special out, so I I checked those out, enjoyed them well enough. Um, if you like stand up comedies, I I would say check them out. They're they're decent. Um. But yeah, I'm, I've got a few on my list. I've got one that I really want to watch. Uh, I believe it's The Irishman, the Martin Scorsese film that just hit Netflix. I'm not sure if you've watched that yet, but it Irishman? is... Irishman? Yeah. It's getting great reviews, so that's that's one I'm hoping to check out. Maybe we can talk about that next week. I, I did see it, so go ahead and see it. We can talk about that, too. Okay, perfect. All right, should we call it good? Yep, let's call it good. All right. want to thank everyone for listening. Um, if you're downloading our stuff, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you can. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Jedi and Germs. Let people know about us. If there's something you want us to talk about on the show, uh, just give us a shout out. We will happily discuss your jazz news and notes, NBA or anything else. And we hope to be back in about a week. So until then, go Jazz. And John, please take us out. Bye, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.